Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And welcome, everybody, to the pod's honest truth. I want to be honest right at the top. Uh, I hear that podcast theme music, and I am in just no mood at all for any sort of catchy, bouncy music today. Uh, Normally, we do a bit of fun shtick off the top of the show. We'd like to have a little fun here on the podcast. Sorry, folks. No fun today. I don't know about you, but I'm angry. And I'm sad, and I'm frustrated. And it's all bottled up. Look, the George Floyd situation has rattled me like never before. It started with that horrendous video of that despicable white cop pressing hard on George Floyd's black neck for nine excruciating minutes until he died. Wait, I misspoke. Until he was murdered. In broad daylight. I couldn't shake the image. I couldn't shake the anger that boiled inside of me. And then, to see that he's been charged, the cop has been charged with third-degree murder... I mean, I thought, surely that's a typo. You mean first-degree murder? First-degree murder, right? Nope. 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 So let me ask you this. What does it take around here to get a first-degree murder charge? 15 minutes on the neck instead of nine? Folks, I'm angry. And then came the rioting and the looting. And before we get to that, a quick disclaimer. Many of the protesters out there are peacefully assembling, all right? Many are protesting the right way, the Martin Luther King way, the godly way. But as we know, some are not. And those some, so to speak, are causing anarchy in the streets of America. Members of Antifa have come to these cities and are causing mayhem. And guess what, folks? They're bringing their military-style tactics. And look, hey, I get it. They're not showing up with any sort of official Antifa shirt or badge. These lowlifes are part of a movement, a sick movement, by the way, to basically burn America to the ground and start over again with their socialist view of how America should be. We should tell you, of course, Antifa, if you don't know, is short for anti-fascist. They're young, they're white, they're far left, they're liberal, they're liberal, excuse me, they're wackos, and they think the only way to invoke change is through extreme violence. Newsflash, ain't the way to do it. They believe that elites are controlled, are basically controlling the government and media, so they need to make a statement against what they believe are racists that are controlling all of these levels of power. So how do you spot Antifa? Well, some of them dress head to toe in black. Uh, Members call that black block. They also wear masks to hide their identity from the police and whoever they're protesting against. In other words, they're cowards. And I want to move on to the looting. I mean, 
What is there really to say about looting? I mean, it's sad to see, totally counterproductive to the legacy of George Floyd. And I'm not going to get into the whole psychology of looting and why it's done and all of that. But let me just say this. When you bust into a Target and steal a television and a couple computer iPads and maybe, I don't know, seven or eight different appliances, maybe a fridge or a microwave, you've taken the spotlight off the real issue of racism in this country and police brutality in this country. And that's plain old stupid. That's right, stupid. So where are we exactly in this country? We have 100,000 plus people dead of COVID-19, fact. 40 million unemployed in this country, fact. Looting and rioting in most major cities, fact. And oh, by the way, hurricane season, on the way soon. I want to be very clear. If you think what we've seen so far around America is ugly, hey folks, my fear is that it's about to get even worse. Think about it. We have a divided nation. We have divisive political leaders, underlying racism, a crippling health pandemic, economic uncertainty at levels we haven't seen in like, I don't know, hmm, forever, or maybe the Great Depression and a society that believes less and less in God. That is a horrible Molotov cocktail, if you know what I'm saying. Now to the issue of blame. Yes, racist cops are to blame. Yes, Antifa is to blame. We've discussed that. But there's a lot of blame to go around. Let's start with the president, shall we? His tweets are fanning the flames. All right, I get it. He wants to be the law and order president. And indeed, law and order must be restored. But it's been wildly out of balance on Twitter. Too much of the go get em and not enough kumbaya. But here's the thing, folks. This president, hey, haven't, have, you, have you heard? He doesn't do kumbaya very well. He never has. He likes to prod. He likes to provoke and shake things up. That's his style. Well, guess what? That style doesn't work too well in the middle of riots. Now, should he deliver an Oval Office address? I mean, duh, technically, yes. That would be the traditional way to go. But let's be honest, he's not traditional. And also, what could he even say at this point to bring all of this to a close? I mean, it's not like Antifa will all of a sudden say, hey, you know, Trump, good point. Let's shut it down. Let's all go back to mommy's basement. Come on, folks. They're not going to do that, right? That's not going to happen. So I don't see any tangible reason to do the Oval Office address at this point. I mean, I think what needs to happen is that all respected local leaders, community leaders, whoever they are, the Al Sharptons of the world, if you will, or whoever they end up being, uh, they need to lead and put an end to this in each different community because they're respected within their communities. Unfortunately, my concern is that this is not going to end well and the US military is gonna get fully involved to put down the anarchy that we're seeing in this country. I mean, at some point that will happen if this continues on. And I don't see any end in sight, folks. And look, as we continue this uh, blame game, if you will, the silence coming from our national leaders is deafening. We talked about Donald Trump and his responsibility in all of this. But during this crisis, have I missed uh, the Bernie Sanders big event or press conference speaking out specifically against Antifa? Because look, philosophically at least, they align with Bernie. Have I missed AOC speaking out? Because specifically, they align or she aligns with Antifa. Now, her views are pretty well uh, ideologically uh, with them. So you wonder what's going on here? 
Hello, AOC. Hello, Bernie Sanders. And by the way, have I missed Nancy Pelosi speaking out specifically against Antifa during this anarchy that we're seeing in the streets? Have I missed Chuck Schumer speaking out specifically against Antifa? I'm not talking about violence. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about specifically calling out this movement, this Antifa movement that's around the country. Because guess what, folks? Silence is complicity, plain and simple. And I'm not talking about a tweet or a comment, you know, I don't want to hear a tweet, a, a tweet, a tweet or a comment like the violence isn't productive. I'm talking about a big event, a press conference, a speech, something to make it clear right here, right now that they've all been pathetically silent. And that is pathetic because guess what? It's pathetically silent. And by the way, someone who hasn't been silent and who has been wonderful during this crisis is Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. I mean, her speech Friday night in Atlanta, classic. It was in the midst of horrible violence and rioting in Atlanta, and it was really one for the ages. She's a Democrat, by the way, no big fan of Trump. Matter of fact, you can kind of tell she can't stand Trump. But guess what? I agree 100% with everything she said. So I'm going to play it here. It runs about four and a half minutes or so. I want you to turn up the volume and soak every one of these words in. Let me just speak to what's happening here today. Um, above everything else, I am a mother. I am a mother to four black children in America, one of whom is 18 years old. And when I saw the murder of George Floyd, I hurt like a mother would hurt. And on yesterday, when I heard there were rumors about violent protests in Atlanta, I did what a mother would do. I called my son and I said, where are you? I said, I cannot protect you and black boys shouldn't be out today. So you're not going to out-concern me and out-care about where we are in America. I wear this each and every day, and I pray over my children each and every day. So what I see happening on the streets of Atlanta is not Atlanta. This is not a protest. This is not in the spirit of Martin Luther King Jr., this is chaos. A protest has purpose. When Dr. King was assassinated, we didn't do this to our city. So if you love this city, this city that has had a legacy of black mayors and black police chiefs and people who care about this city, where more than 50% of the business owners in Metro Atlanta are minority business owners. If you care about this city, then go home and pray that somebody like Reverend Beasley will come and talk to you and give you some instructions on what a protest should look like and how you effectuate change in America. This police chief, made a video on yesterday, pull it up on YouTube, where she said she was appalled to watch the murder of George Floyd. This woman did that. You're not honoring the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. 
and the civil rights movement. You're not protesting anything running out with brown liquor in your hands, breaking windows in this city. T.I. and Killer Mike own half the West Side. So when you burn down this city, you're burning down our community. If you want change in America, go and register to vote. Show up at the polls on June 9th. Do it in November. That is the change we need in this country. You are disgracing our city. You are disgracing the life of George Floyd and every other person who has been killed in this country. We are better than this. We're better than this as a city. We are better than this as a country. Go home. Go home. In the same way I couldn't protect my son on yesterday, I cannot protect you out in those streets. You're throwing knives at our police officers. You are burning cars. You have the face the CNN building. Ted Turner started CNN in Atlanta 40 years ago because he believed in who we are as a city. There was a black reporter who was arrested on camera this morning who works for CNN. They are telling our stories and you are disgracing their building. This is not the legacy of civil rights in America. This is chaos and we're buying into it. This won't change anything. We're no longer talking about the murder of an innocent man. We're talking about how you're burning police cars on the streets of Atlanta, Georgia. Go home. That is Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms with, let's be honest, the pod's honest truth on those rioters and looters. All right, so look, I'm very angry about all of this. You can probably tell. I think for me, what's most frustrating is not being quite sure what I can do personally about it. I mean, I guess the best I can do right now is to speak with moral clarity, factual clarity in all of this, and that's what I'm going to do here on the pod's honest truth. When we come back, we actually have an important interview to get to. The head of the Civil Rights Division at the Department of Justice will join us. Eric Dryvan will discuss George Floyd racism in America, and police brutality when we come back on The Pod's Honest Truth. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. 
That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And welcome back, everybody, to the Pods Honest Truth with David Brody. All right, time for our interview with Eric Dryband. Uh, over at DOJ, the Department of Justice. He is the head of the Civil Rights Division. Uh, he's the guy involved um, in a couple different key uh, aspects of what's going on in our life today. And one of the one of the issues is all of the COVID-19 church-related lawsuits that we're seeing. We'll get to that in another podcast because we're focused on police brutality and racism and uh, George Floyd. And of course, it was, we know the president actually wanted the DOJ to expedite the George Floyd case. So we discussed that with Eric Dryban. And we also discussed his overarching philosophy about uh, systemic racism and how the DOJ goes about their business and all of this. So uh, here is some of that interview. What can you tell me about that case? Uh, just recently, the president said he wanted that case expedited here at DOJ. What does that mean exactly? And what should we look for? Well, David, uh, I've watched the video of what happened and led to Mr. Floyd's death, and uh, I will say the the video is very disturbing and very troubling. Uh, We are here at the Department of Justice uh, investigating the incident, uh, working with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, the United States Attorney's Office in Minnesota, and uh, our criminal section of Civil Rights Division. The investigation is a high priority of ours. We are also working with state and local officials, uh, but we will make an independent judgment and, uh, and, and we are about whether or not federal criminal charges or other action is warranted by the federal government. But um, because the matter is under investigation, uh, there's not a mu- much else I can say about it, but it is a high priority here at the Department of Justice. Fair enough, though I do want to ask you about this idea of being a high priority. What does that mean exactly? In other words, and I don't want to get in the weeds here specifically, but what does it mean when the DOJ looks at something as a priority uh, and then a high priority? Give give us a sense of what happens there. Well, David, we have jurisdiction to uh, enforce various criminal statutes that deal with civil rights violations here at the Department of Justice and in the Civil Rights Division. One of the statutes that is within our jurisdiction involves what's called a color of law uh, prosecution. And under that law, it is a crime for any person who acts under color of law to violate the constitutional rights or other federal protected rights uh, of any individual and to do so willfully. Uh, And so that is a statute that uh, we've enforced for a long time. We prosecuted many, many police officers, other law enforcement officials around the country uh, under that statute in in criminal cases, um, and we will continue to do that. The way we do it is we work with the the FBI. Uh, We have a team of prosecutors working with U.S. attorney's offices, and uh, and we investigate and then make appropriate judgments about whether in a particular case uh, we should charge a case or seek an indictment from a grand jury in a particular case. So look, overall, we know law enforcement, they're just they're good people overall. No one's saying anything about the, the macro here, but clearly police brutality has been around for quite a long time, but specifically we're seeing a lot more cases recently. I, I'd like you to address the systemic problem of police brutality and civil rights and what the DOJ is doing in that regard. Well, David, what, what we see is that many, many law enforcement officers are our best witnesses. When an individual police officer, uh, corrections officer, or other, other person who acts under color of law violates uh, people's constitutional or other civil rights. So what we see is that 
very often we believe the prosecution in appropriate cases uh, involving law enforcement is a way to reaffirm uh, appropriate law enforcement uh, methods, techniques, practices, et cetera. And in almost all of our cases, our best witnesses are police officers who are dis troubled and who come to us uh, expressing concerns about incidents uh, of, say, for example, of excessive force or other kinds of violations of civil rights by law enforcement. And because most law enforcement officers, in fact, it's the vast uh, majority of them, uh, want to do their jobs in a manner that complies with the Constitution and other laws, uh, and they are rightfully disturbed when they see a, a, a law enforcement officer who deviates from that. I want to ask you about the uh, Ahmed Arbery case. Uh, look, the state of Georgia took two months to make any arrests down there. There has been criticism as it relates to that region having a historic problem when it comes to civil rights violations. Can you talk to me a little bit about that case specifically and that overall issue? Well, we, again, we, I cannot comment specifically about any matter that's under investigation. On, on the other hand, uh, we, we have issued a statement that we are uh, working with uh, state and local officials uh, to investigate the matter, uh, and, to, and we will again make any independent judgment uh, about whether or not federal charges are appropriate. Uh, we are working with the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, with the FBI and the United States Attorney's Office in Georgia uh, to investigate the matter. Um, and I should add as well um, that the Attorney General of Georgia asked us to review uh, the, the, the matter, uh, and, and uh, we certainly uh, are reviewing all information uh, that the Attorney General of Georgia has provided to us or will provide to us and will continue to do so. As we wrap up here, I, I want to ask you a little bit about your overarching philosophy here at the Civil Rights Division of DOJ. Uh, what guides you? Uh, what should we know about this division uh, based on uh, your life experience, uh, based on uh, some of your views, philosophical and otherwise, to, to give people a sense of, of what's coming out of this division? David, we, we have, I think, in our country uh, both a proud and a tragic history when it comes to civil rights issues. Um, you know, as a country, we've, we've suffered through slavery, we've suffered through the Civil War, many other wars. We've had uh, movements for civil rights involving women and many other people in our country. And I think what, what I've tried to do in working with our team of lawyers and investigators and others is convey, convey that, that here in this country, um, all Americans are equal before the law, they're entitled to equal justice under the law, and that our goal is to account for and, and be mindful of the tragedies that have happened in our countries, a history of lynchings and slavery and other things, but at the same time to acknowledge that uh, many, many people in our history have acted in a heroic way uh, to bring about civil rights protections for all Americans. Uh, we have, for example, in the room that we're sitting, a portrait of Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass during the 19th century uh, escaped from slavery. Uh, and became an outspoken proponent of abolition, worked with President Abraham Lincoln and others uh, to bring about the end of slavery, and then for the rest of his life uh, spoke out in support of civil rights protections for all. And I think as I go about my job on a day-to-day -day basis, I always look at the portrait that we have of Frederick Douglass and try to take inspiration from that. That is Eric Dryband here on the pod's Honest Truth. All right, folks, a final thought before we leave you. There is a right kind of anger and a wrong kind of anger. Righteous anger seeks restoration. Unrighteous anger seeks destruction. 
Now, the peaceful protesters, they are exhibiting righteous anger. They're angry about an injustice and an injustice that God would not approve of. And guess what? They're acting in a forceful but peaceful way in an attempt to bring about change. Antifa, on the other hand, and all the others who are causing bedlam in the streets of America, they're also angry. But this is unrighteous anger. This is destructive anger. You know, the Bible says this, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Keeping your anger in check is wise, everyone. We need more wisdom here. And finally, let me just say this, for those feeling fearful from what you see on television, or Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your news about these riots, remember this, the book of Psalms says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And the book of Psalms also says this, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. We need healing in this country. We need racial reconciliation in this country. We need more wisdom in this country. And most of all, we need more of God in this country. And that's the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America. 